Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come and take a look at the snow. Bright white as far as your eyesight goes. Come and take a look at the fields of snow. I'll just get my coat, then we're good to go. Come and take a look at the lake. Let's have a quick skate before it gets late. Come and take a look at the frozen lake. Put your clothes on, mate. Don't make that mistake. Greetings, holiday shoppers. There are now only 230 shopping days left until Christmas, and you know what that means. That means it's time for another episode of Christmas Creeps, your favorite holiday movie podcast, where we talk about Christmas movies all year round, and sometimes, uh, I lost my train of thought. Anyway. Sometimes they're not really even Christmas movies. Yes, as kind of in the case today. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your host for this evening. Here with us tonight are our my co-hosts, are our co-hosts, Johnny Five, the human robot. Hi, Brad. And Mr. Bradford. I'm using tilt controls. <laughs> so, gentlemen, uh, we are now in the, um, the uh, summer blockbuster movie season. We're in May. Easter is behind us. That means it's time for... The meat it's grill season. It's grill season. It's meat season. Candy season is is long gone. Uh, and what better way to enjoy meat season than by uh, in, indulging in white Christmas? That doesn't make any sense, but that's where we are tonight. Uh, we are talking about the 1954 uh, Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye musical White Christmas because we let Brad pick. And uh, my- Brad, explain yourself. Uh, Mother's Day is coming up for this next episode, and what better way to celebrate it than by watching everybody's mom's favorite Christmas movie. A Christmas Story. White Christmas. Is that your mom's favorite Christmas movie? Because that's a way better Christmas movie than... Yeah, I think so. ...than my mom's favorite Christmas movie, which is White Christmas. And it's my mom's favorite as well. So, uh, hi mom, if you're listening. See, it scans. It does scan. I mean, it scans for two thirds of the population. If as... your mo- if if you if your mom is over the age of fifty five and white, it is going to be at least two thirds likely that her favorite movie. Because God, is this the whitest movie ever created? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, White Christmas has two meanings here. <laughs> yeah, it really does. But um, so I wanted to ask to to start us off tonight by asking a uh, a discussion question, I guess. Okay. Um, just to get the the ball rolling here, uh, okay. and let's see here. Where are my questions? All right, here we go. Uh, uh, I'm gonna address this one to uh, to John because I, I is know this is gonna be on the test. This will be. This is the test. Welcome to the test. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah, I I gotta go to the nurse's office. I have these sharp stabbing pains in my side. Um. Okay. Well, can you answer one question for me first before you go? Yes. Okay. okay. I'm going. Uh, no, no, no! We lost. Ah, oh, shit! All right, Brad. I'm going to ask the question to you. Oh no! Because John's gone now. Okay. So i i was I was kind of hoping that uh, John would use his uh, his his robot life experience to answer this question, but now I have to ask it to Brad. It's uh, okay. Brad. I've I've studied under him for for a couple of months now. Let's do it. <laughs> I've been waiting for uh, my big damn break. right. You studied under me. I've oh, been he's waiting back. For my... All right, great, great. Yeah. Okay. Trap sprung. Trap sprung. It's because we fucked. <laughs> Okay. Well, question being, uh, what can you do with a general when he stops being a general? Uh, well, specifically, uh, you can uh, lock him in a barn in Vermont. I think that's what happened in this movie. <laughs> More or less. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, a large portion of White Christmas is is based on the assumption that after World War II, 
uh, the higher ups in the military basically retire and are never heard from again. Put out to pasture, literally in this case. Yes. Yeah. The 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 wide open pastures of Vermont, where there is apparently no snow, except yeah, they advertise cares. snow. They advertise it all over the place. They even sing songs about snow. No. But then when they get to Vermont, snow. Anyways. That was John's cue. But no, there's no snow in Vermont. And I feel like um, as the years go on and as this movie gets older, the concept of there being snow anywhere is going to be like a distant memory yep. for the people watching this movie. And like our great grandkids are going to have no clue what the fuck snow is. So, like, we're going to be some, like, rain of fire shit where people are, like, acting out this movie? Yes. Yeah. And uh, just like rain of fire, it's going to be a shocking revelation when they find out that Danny Kay and What's-Her-Name aren't actually getting married. <laughs> should we Should we go over the plot really quick? Two minutes, yeah. maybe? Yeah, let's let's just uh, breeze through the plot because there's honestly there's not a whole lot of it. No, it is it is entirely a vehicle for musical numbers, uh, some of which are completely not at all germane to the plot and are cut in. Yeah, and also are re- repetitive and yeah, some too. In- entirely uninteresting. Oh yeah, and yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the I mean, movie starts in it's world it's World War Two, and Bing Crosby and Danny Kay are are two soldiers in I guess the European theater. And they're putting on a show for their their fellow infantry. On Christmas and Eve. On Christmas Eve, and that's when Bing Crosby sings White Christmas for the first time. Because, you know, what what does what do soldiers in Europe like it more than song and dance? I don't know, whores maybe? Uh, yeah, I mean, w- when there are no whores, uh, y- we go to Bing Crosby. It's when you turn to the K-Man. Yeah, the K-Man. <laughs> so they, they perform, and then uh, during, the, during the middle of this performance, uh, they're attacked. And Danny K saves Bing Crosby's life by... Uh, pulling him out from underneath a falling building, and he lords this over him throughout for, the entire rest the, of the movie for the rest of his life. Essentially, yeah. he lords just over to, this for the rest of his life. Yeah, go. I'm sorry. Just to throw in one thing uh, related to this, the general who shows up later, he is like their outgoing general. Like he's being promoted into obscurity. I think is the best way to put it. Right. Right. And yeah. being replaced with like a real super hard ass, like, you know, I want to inspect everyone's shoes right now type of guy. Yeah, and he seems to be well regarded and whatever, what have you. As far as generals go. Right. Yeah. Uh but we don't we kind of lose track of him for about an hour and a half or so. And then slap uh, cut over to 1954. We have a montage of them forming a duo. Right, because after sa- after saving his life, after saving Bing Crosby's life, Danny Kay uses that to basically blackmail him into teaming up for as a musical act, and they become the hottest thing on Broadway, I think. Yeah, something like that. And their act then becomes uh, the two of them scouting out other talent and becoming like a traveling roadshow kind of thing, mm. and they are... They are asked to come and check out these two sisters performing in Florida, and it's it's um, God, what are their names? Uh, they're Judy and Betty. Yeah, it's Rosemary Clooney, and I wrote it down. Vera Ellen. Vera Ellen. Yes, Vera Ellen. Yeah, who, who was um, kind of had a one hit wonder here. I mean, wasn't it? This was pretty much her only mark of her career because didn't she have some personal tragedy and just basically left show business after this? 
I mean, she was in a couple other movies, but the big thing was that she was not a singer. Um, I forget the name of the woman who dubbed almost all of her songs. Oh, yeah. She was a strictly a dancer. Uh, yeah. And as yeah. as you can see, it probably was written into her contract because she has like three numbers where it's just her dancing with other people. Three. Like well, that's well, being, yeah, that's being, being conservative. <laughs> okay, those are yeah. the ones that I wrote down that weren't at all germane to the plot. Sorry. Okay, yeah, let me look this up real quick because um, on the sister song, from what I know, Rosemary Clooney sang both parts of that. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, and um, and for the. Uh, if you're not familiar, Rosemary Clooney is uh, George Clooney's aunt. Right. And Miguel Ferrer's mother. Yes, yes. Rest in peace. And, um, okay, again, with the two sisters, they're kind of the reason they go down there is because they get a letter from an army dude they know, Freckleface Haynes, the dog face boy. I'm glad you wrote that <laughs> saying, down. I'm glad somebody remembered that. Saying, you know, hey, you should go down to Florida and check out my sisters. They sing. Why don't you give them a career? Yeah. Yeah, so they go and check them out. And it's a good show, I guess. <laughs> The point yeah, being, I mean, they enjoy the show, and... Yeah, Trudy Stevens did most of the singing for Vera Ellen. Right, okay, mm. okay. And then on Sisters, Rosemary Clooney sang both parts. Mm. Huh. That's why it sounds so good, I guess, because she's <laughs> in tune with herself. Right. Um. So yeah, uh, Davis, Danny Kaye, springs this plan to get to... Somebody else pick up here because I'm losing my track. Okay, here. okay. So there's there's a bunch of much ado about nothing, but basically the sisters have to skip town, uh, and uh, uh, well, it, it comes out the sisters say that like they didn't actually their brother is in Alaska. They didn't actually like he didn't write the letter. One of them wrote the letter pretending to be the brother, just being like, right, hey, big show business guys, come down and give us a Judy. Break, Judy wrote you? their letter, but it it comes out yeah. pretty quickly that it was Judy that wrote the letter, not the brother. Because um, um, Betty is very much. Uh, the more of a sourpuss of the two. Right. And this brings and, us to the central point is um actually the key point of the plot maybe is that uh what what are their names again? It's, uh basically Oh Phil, Phil Phil is trying to hook up Bob because Bob is a workaholic and Yeah and Phil, Phil like immediately wants to take the take the I'm trying to think of a good thing here. He wants to go to the Bone Zone with Judy. Is pretty much what's going on, like, immediately. Uh, and they're just like, hey, well, all right, let's make those two fucking get out of our hair. Right, right. Well, yeah, he's trying to hook her up That's with... pretty much it, yeah. Hook, hook him up with all these different girls, and none of them are working, but then they're immediately attracted to Judy and Betty. But, uh, you know, uh, Phil and Judy think they're hitting it off. Uh, Betty and Bob are not necessarily hitting it off. One of the main reasons of contention is that... Bob doesn't seem to hold it against Judy. This is I, this is important to say because it comes up later. Bob doesn't seem to hold it against Judy to like for having tricked them to come down there because he says that's what show business is. Everyone has an angle, right? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, the ang- the angle then becomes they follow the girls to Vermont because they're performing at this uh, ski lodge, right? And it turns out that the ski lodge is owned by their old general, Mister Waverly. But that's just they, that's just like a the happiest fucking coincidence in the right, world. Yeah, right, right. There's, there's a complete coincidence, and there's no snow, and there's no residents at the lodge. So Bob has the million dollar idea to get the whole production company and production up to the ski lodge to drum up business for the old general, uh, and that's all well and good. Uh, and meanwhile, thing- the general is trying to like get back into the army in some position. Like he wants to be, he wants to be back out on 
whatever is left of a front. I guess he wants to be in Korea at this point, like or like actually training like troops, doing somewhere. something. And then they send yeah. him a letter back. They're saying, "Ha, good one. You're such a kidder." Um, essentially, and he's like, "Oh, he, Grandpa's writing funny stories again." Right, and he's dejected much. by this. So Bob has an additional idea to uh, get everybody that was in this general's unit, General Waverly's unit, to uh, the ski lodge for Christmas to give him a big send-up. So there's this housekeeper that listens in on pretty much every conversation and reads every letter uh, and telephone conversation that goes on at the ski lodge, and she overhears this, but she doesn't hear the part where Bob is discussing with a television executive. Uh, He wants to make the pitch on TV, uh, then the television executive pitches back, oh, we can televise it, we'll make a lot of ad money, play it up, the sappy story. She hangs up at this point. Bob says, no, I don't want any of that. But the housekeeper relays this to Betty, who at this point is dejected. She had seen Bob in a, a you know positive light after uh, you know, bringing the, the production up to the, to the cabin and yeah, bringing... She finds out that he has an angle. He yeah. has an angle. So she thinks. And so she leaves and, it, you know, she, she skips town from, from the ski lodge because her, what is it, her night up on a horse, as she calls it, it has been, has fallen. Um, and so we go on with this dramatic tension and this misunderstanding for a while. And the entire time, like, Bob is basically thinking she's playing hard to get, and not that she's actually pissed off at him for some reason. Right, right, and he doesn't know what's going on. At the same time, she's kind of like, yeah, you should fucking know what's up to an extent, you know? Yeah, yeah, and Phil... she doesn't... They don't really bother, like... Yeah, Yeah, it's the the most, like, like sitcom-y, comedy of errors kind of, like, uh, Absolutely. And Judy and Phil are out in the weeds, too. They're like, oh, well, she must care about you, Judy, until you're married off, so let's do a fake proposal and and yeah, get hit. like she, she is like literally like running her hand up his inner thigh and he's like oh i don't know if we should do this or not so it's like... i can't just dis- <laughs> it's it's so schizophrenic i can't decide if they want phil to be like the the playboy womanizer who doesn't want to get nailed down or they're like trying to play it up that he it's like wink wink nudge nudge this is the 1950s but he's in show business he might have different interest. Like, right. are they he's trying a to pay dance man? But we can't say it out. Are loud, they trying you know? to like play it up as like he's low key gay or like no, closeted I, I think or it's what? More one of those things where like he's been like, like he's been on like the the woman like the womanizing chase for so long that as soon as a woman shows interest back to him, he's like, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't know what the like, I don't know what the fuck to do now. No one's ever like, yeah, <laughs> no one's ever returned the favor. Yeah, he's he's the thirsty boy, but he's never gotten any attention directly, and he doesn't know what to do when that. Ha- I guess so. And also, we should probably point out that these two guys are they're probably meant to be like in their early to mid thirties. In the movie, but Bing Crosby yeah. is in his fifties and Danny Kaye is like mid forties, so yeah. they're definitely yeah. playing younger than they are. Yes, uh, so that kind of has a, a play into it too. By the way, um, Bing Crosby in this movie is fifty one and Rosemary Clooney is twenty six. Wait, really? Yeah, she looks older than twenty six in this film. Uh, that's Hollywood makeup for you, <laughs> I guess. Man, I mean, I'm not saying she looks bad; she just looks older than twenty six. Um, but the point, the point being like that, it doesn't really seem to come across that like, you know, he's, he's that much older than her. Like they're trying to play these two guys younger. Right. Right. Both. uh, They're trying to put them all in their thirties. Really? Yeah. Um, so next plot beat is, uh, 
Bob finds out that the proposal thing was a sham and is still has no idea what's going on with, with Betty. So he goes down to New York where she's working now to try to make things right. She eventually finds out when he's making his pitch on television that no, there's not ad money involved. There's no angle. Uh, and she seems to be okay with it and come back up for the actual production. The production is put on. It goes off without a hitch. Uh, all of the old soldiers there, show up. Yeah, there's a there's a nice uh, slapstick like uh, segment extended where they're trying to distract the general from watching TV, which is it's the Ed Harrison show. Wink, wink. You know who that is. <laughs> um, but they're trying to basically distract the general so he doesn't see Bob on TV doing like the pitch. Right. He he goes on TV and basically says, "Hey, everyone who is in General, you know." Uh, General Waverly's division, come the fuck up to Vermont. We got some shit to take care of. Yeah, yeah. We, we need and everybody so, we can to spend money on this guy's lodge because he's he's losing ass loads of business. Right. Essentially well, it's, it's not even that. It was like, hey, we need a fucking like you know pay respect to the general. Assholes, get up here. Right. Come right. do a I nice mean, thing. Like, well, yeah, that's that's why they're going. But like un- underneath it all is like, yeah. hey, let's all spend money at our at our general ski lodge. Well, that oh, was this is the fifth. This is the fifties, and they're all white. They had money. Well, this. Well, I I think more it was the pr- bringing the production up, which was supposed to drum up business. But after seeing Waverly dejected by the letter, that's when he brought in yeah. the the idea of bringing bringing in the troops, so to speak. Well, yeah, sure. but the, the bringing in the troops was what he went on TV to pitch, though. He did, he did right. not talk about the show on TV. Right, right, like, right. No, no, no. The, the show is still the money-making venture and, you know, put there to have Waverly benefit from it as well. But that was before he's trying yeah. to cheer Waverly up. So, But that, that doesn't distract from the fact that, like, they're coming to Pine Tree, Vermont, and they're spending money at his ski lodge. Uh, absolutely. And they're doing all, yeah, and absolutely. He, the general will be making some some dough off of this. Yes. Basically. Yeah, but like I said, it's white and it's the fi- they're white and it's the 50s. They have money. Right. I mean, yeah. Um, Any, um, but um, like Danny Kay like fakes a broken leg and like has the general like carry him around to walk it off, basically. Yeah. And it's a very it's a very protracted scene with uh, Danny Kay. It's actually pretty fucking good. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'll say that. I'll agree with that. Oh yeah. Like, I think um, if if we're gonna get into like talking about, I guess the the uh the quality of the film like danny k might be the best part of the movie i uh, know he is hands down best part of the film he seems like the he seems he seems he seems like the only one who really kind of keys into this being kind of just a dumb sitcom kind of musical oh yeah, yeah yeah he's totally into it he's like yeah this is so dumb this is a christmas movie let's let's just ham it up and have fun and he does ham yeah, it up and like in what we will probably get to in a little bit the the drag scene Oh yeah! Like, oh yeah! Bing Crosby was apparently like very straight laced and conservative in real life. Like he was a pretty uptight type of dude. Yeah, yeah. And you like, could tell so, that he was on earnestly not enjoying doing that. Yeah, and so and that and that basically just led Danny Cage to just like turn it up to eleven. And that to I, it was such a good fuck up. Yeah, it was it was a good dynamic there. Um, so guess, that's basically guess, the plot. Yeah, Let's talk about the musical numbers here for a bit, because because good god, are there a ton of them? What are there? There's fourteen, something yeah, like that. Yeah, oh, and then well, we didn't say the ending. The ending, it starts snowing and everyone's happy. The end. Yeah, they all go and they all go back to their rooms and fuck or something. I this is this is another. This is kind of just like Garfield from last time. I know we have unfinished business, and with that, we'll get to it. This is another <laughs> Christmas movie slash special where there's no real tension. Like nothing's at stake, really. It's just feel good situation yeah there's there's like romantic 
uh, romantic things at stake. But other than that, it's pretty pretty yeah. light, pretty yeah, uh, yeah, inconsequential. Uh, so uh, according to IMDb, there are seventeen musical numbers in this film. Oof. Uh, and at, at uh, two hours long, that that breaks down to roughly doing some quick math. It's more than half the film. That's a musical number I, every seven minutes. I will say, like, this doesn't annoy me as much as other musicals, like, say, Pirates of Penzance in particular comes to mind, mm-hmm. okay. um, does, because there are a lot of musicals in this one, or new musical numbers in this musical, that are like, it's basically, okay, we're going to rehearse for the show now, or we're doing the show now, it's like... There is an in-plot reason for us to be singing, not just, you know, say, this reminds me of a song, cue the piano. Right, right. right yeah. They're in show business. The whole show business uh, framing also gives them a lot of leeway to do things, like I said, that are completely 100% unrelated to Christmas or the plot. Uh, yeah, like such as the number K sang a song that was literally just making fun of the theater. Yeah, choreography <laughs> yeah. was the first one, like, completely in a vacuum has nothing to, like, uh, it is, it could have been shot on the moon for for all it's relevant to the plot. Uh, Minstrel Show and Abraham yeah. Number are let's, the let's other two. Let's talk about Minstrel Show for a second. Okay. It's the 50s, so there's no blackface, but then again, it's the 50s, so they're still doing a song called Minstrel Show. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as that number started up, I thought, oh, God, here we go. And and I was expecting Which, somebody to come out in blackface, but no, they they, they restrained themselves. You've got the big, well, like, the big set decoration of, like, the, the wacky hands playing banjo, but that's yeah. about as close as they ever get. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, the song mentions something about watching those colorful folks with their somethings and jokes, and it's like, that's the kind of the closest they stray to it. It's, yeah. But it's still, it, just, just because it's of the year it is, you know, just because of, like, the fact that it's no longer the 50s, like... It really does feel uncomfortable. Like, okay, you guys are really teetering on the edge of outright horrible here, right? There, it's like you. Sh- they get up to the well, precipice, definitely. That's, but that's one. That's one. One of the the sort of overriding feelings of this film is that like it, it's very nostalgic for like just you know the recent the recent past. Like it's all about you know how great things were ten years ago, and uh, they, the musical numbers are, are very reminiscent of like you know let's uh, let's yeah, let's uh, you know let's glorify the the musical comedy traditions of you know a generation back so even in the 50s they were literally called gee i wish i was back in the army yeah yeah exactly exactly and like when they when they at the end when they bring the general out and all his his troops are there they bring in this gigantic cake and it's got a tank on it that says 10th anniversary right so while we're still on the topic of race sort of a little bit uh i played a game I didn't. Okay. I didn't see a single person of color in this entire film, even Ooh, in the ba- even in the background. I saw one. I saw one. Where? I saw one. Where was it? The guy on the, the ladder. The waiter on the train. Oh, see, you paid closer attention than I did. You, I mean, you know I ex- right. I honestly, yeah, I was expecting like service people or whatever that, to have, but I, I was, I okay, one. Yeah. Okay. So hey, let's talk about these the, the worst props in the world. Um, those creepy tambourines in that number. Oh, with the How faces. Oh yeah. Terrible. Like, the, like I don't those... get the fifth like the weird obsession in that era of like putting faces on things. It was the worst. Yeah, like, I don't the know. The whole it's... set design for Minstrel Show is just not great. Like the weird like Matt Rococo shit too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I hated it. It looked like garbage. I... I did love the like the matte paintings though, like the just the fact that they were there and they were fucking great in the in the outdoor scenes. Oh no, those were good. Those were good. Yeah, 
Like that's, that's that is something I kind of miss. Is a, like it's nicer to see when you watch an older movie is see like the big old matte paintings. Or it's mm-hmm. completely obvious that it's on a soundstage and it's yeah, a bit it's, ca- like, it's kayfabe, like everybody knows, but it's just yeah, played up. Yeah, but at the same time, you don't fucking care because that's a great damn matte painting, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a lost art nowadays. Now now you just paint it green and put something in it on your computer. It, yeah. Every scene is so dense, there's so many things going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, boy. So, yeah, um, the other thing I want to talk about with with regard to these musical numbers is that many of them are repeated. Yes. And it yeah, feels the like number the sister's number is repeated. White Christmas is repeated. Um, oh, just, just to uh, clear it up. Greatest Son White of a Soldier. The, the song is, or the movie is named after the song. The song was originally from Holiday Inn, another... Um, Right, it's, uh, another Irving Berlin movie, I think. Right, yeah, yeah. No, it was another Cros- Crosby and Berlin, yeah. But it was a stare, wasn't that one? Hmm. Right. See, I think and you guys it... know more about musicals than I do. No, and... I'm, I'm just looking at Wikipedia right now. Yeah, oh, we're okay. just we're just reading this off the internet. And uh, no, the uh, the we're house not sitting in our car is what's going on. Yeah, that's in his car. <laughs> I, I am in his car right now. He's on the move. I'm in mobile recording unit number zero one. Mm-hmm. Or actually zero two since you guys did the yeah. light special the other MRO two that's your license number go look him up go get him <laughs> <laughs> go get him tiger uh, uh just a special brush real quick if you find Brad within the next uh, let's say half an hour while we're recording you can be on the podcast yeah <laughs> come and get it come and come find us come find Brad and then come find us in the studio to redeem your prize <laughs> but um. <laughs> Oh. Don't come by my house because I'll shoot you with a BB gun. Oh no! Don't don't do any of these things. No, don't don't do any of those things. Also, I don't know how you're going to travel back in time to find me well, recording recording in a public park. That's the joke. I know it's the joke. That's the joke. So the third thing I want to talk about in regard to these musical numbers is that several of them uh, aren't are not. Um, original to this movie like they they really sort of pulled from other musicals like holiday inn uh songs that have been repeated uh, that that bing crosby and or danny Kaye have done before uh, they've they kind of just cobbled this movie together from like just songs that had either been used before or scrapped from other things and it shows isn't, isn't unheard of in terms of like especially old hollywood of like you know, we're gonna make a movie, and we have enough. We have enough old crap to throw together, and like put a coat of Christmas you know, paint on it. Yeah, I mean, like that's what happened with a lot of the Three Stooges stuff. Like um, a oh, lot yeah. of Three Stooges uh, shorts were literally like just other shorts kind of cobbled together to like make a new plot of the same joke. Cut, cut together, yeah, and then they just put like they made a couple of interstitial parts to go between it, and it worked for the most part. It's kind of like re- I mean, it was kind of like reruns, but in Hollywood, because you know. Which I mean, I mean that stuff's still even not heard of, unheard of today, I guess. Because I think when I say that, the first thing I thought of was like Power Rangers, where the original series was just let's take this uh, Japanese Sentai show and just record some English dialogue and then yeah. record a couple of scenes in a high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they they've also do like they choreograph these musical numbers, not really knowing where or when they're going to put them in, but then they just kind of insert them into the into like whatever films just, available. Or just lead in with a chalkboard somewhere. Rehearsal. Yeah, like ooh, we're doing random random number number X today, and it's yeah. oh, minstrel show or choreography or uh, Abraham God, number. One, Abraham, yeah, when, when we're Vera Ellen's just tap dancing like crazy. Yeah. Hey Joe, did you have to watch the new Power Rangers movie for your other venture? I certainly did. 
How was it? Did it have Did it have bulk and skull in it? It did not. Oh, what? what? The point? Yeah, exactly. It. I mean, not not that it needs bullies, but it needs it needs literally bulk and skull. Like it needs Jason Narvi and the other guy whose name I don't remember. That's mm. that's the messed up part about it. it. It had like a random nameless bully. What? But not bulk and skull. That's bullshit. It. Yes. It very much was. Hey, if you want to read about um, if you want to read my review of Power Rangers, go to frontrowcentral.com. It's there. Yeah, um, Paul Schreier's the other guy. Paul Schreier and Jason Narvi played Bulk and Skull in Power Rangers, mm. and like apparently they are like still to this day really good friends, like in real life. From what I've heard. Oh, that's fine. Also, they apparently played Bulk and Skull in Power Rangers until 2012. Whoa! So yeah. <laughs> I want to. I kind of want to get into that because it always takes place with like high schoolers, right? Yeah. So are, so are Bulk and Skull like these ageless high schoolers who just keep repeating the 11th grade over and over and over again for well, over no, 10 I'm, years? I'm clicking on a random picture, and apparently in later seasons, or later, uh, later like, series, yeah. they played, like, security guards or cops or something. So oh, I have a picture of them got it. both eating hamburgers <laughs> while wearing, like, while wearing, dressed up, dressed up what, what could either be a generic cop or, like, a... Security guard... A, an especially pompous security guard, yeah. Okay. Alright, that's good enough. Their that's last a, appearance that... was on Power Rangers Super Samurai, which went off the air December 15th, 2012. Merry Christmas, Bulk and Skull. Rest in peace. <laughs> oh. Anyway, so my next question to you guys. Uh, there is a scene in this film where Bing Crosby explains to Rosemary Clooney how different foods can produce different dreams. Oh, boy. Yeah. And I want to play a little game with you guys. I'm going to say a random food item, and I want you to tell me what you... what It's going to be like a word, word association game. Okay. You're going to tell me what you might dream of when you eat this food, okay? Are you ready? Ready. Brad. Yes. Brad. No, 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 no. Not, I, I'm addressing you, Brad. You're up first. First. Pork and beans. Pork and beans. <laughs> okay, Are sorry. You... I'll, I'll, I'll give, me, give me one more. Pork and beans. Uh, caramels. Brad dreams about caramels when he eats pork I and dream beans. a lot about food, really. Okay. Give, give me another one. Okay. Uh, smoked salmon. I'm sitting in a boat, and it's nighttime, and the moon isn't out, uh, but there are no stars in the sky, and it's very confusing. I don't know if it's cloudy. It's, it's not raining. The sea is calm. Slight smell of salt on the air. Suddenly, a tentacle pops out of the water. I can barely see it in the inky blackness. It slams into the boat. I go under. All of a sudden, I can feel hundreds, maybe thousands of tentacles, all all pulling on me, all grabbing me, all pulling no, me further down. No, we're not listening to more of Brad's tentacle rape dream. <laughs> okay, John, you're up next. Oh, I don't know what the game is because I was looking at pictures of Vulcan Skull. God damn it. <laughs> The game is, I give you a food item, you tell me what you dream about when you eat it, okay? Okay. Your food item is... Sushi. What do I dream about when I eat sushi? Yes. Like, what do you mean dream? Okay, let's back up. <laughs> there is a scene in White Christmas where Bing Crosby okay. explains that you eat different foods and you dream different things. And in we his case, it's all sandwiches game. and women. <laughs> so the idea is you eat this food and it influences the dreams you have later, not what does this food make you think of. Correct. Right. All right, so so now that we've destroyed the game, 
Um, I don't have <laughs> dreams that I remember, by the way, so that might ruin the game as well. Well, I'm pretty sure Brad just made the dream he had up, okay? No, nope, so, totally real. Totally 100% real. I do not believe you. <laughs> I do not believe you. <laughs> I, I had it after eating smoked salmon. What are you talking about? <sighs> okay. This is why we can't have fun anymore. <laughs> no, yeah, because the the every the the game is fuck it. <laughs> give me give me one more, Joe. Okay, whatever when just in general like the the idea behind sushi for the image it conjures up to me is spending like 50 or 60 dollars on sushi because whenever we want it Karen wants it and Karen wants to like get all of the sushi ever because we don't get it that often. Do you guys have a Kaiten sushi down where you live? You guys should go to Kaiten sushi. Like the container belt sushi where you, it's cheap no. sushi but it's you can eat Not, like 50 plates yeah, of it. It's maybe in like the capital but right, know, right. around here I don't think. Okay. Yeah, we live in flyover country where they don't we don't have fancy sushi like that. Um mm. Karen is too busy playing video games to like to like acknowledge me talking about sushi. Hi, Karen. <laughs> hi, Karen. Karen, say hi. You're on the podcast now. She flipped me off. Hi. She's got to keep her ki- <laughs> she's got to keep her KD up. She's right, got to so keep her is, DPS up. What is she playing? This game playing is clearly right a fool's errand. So let's move on. Uh, Brad, what have you got? <laughs> what have I got? Yeah, Karen is playing World of Warcraft. She is in Dreadscar Rift, which. Is the warlock class hall? So she's not. She, she her, her KD is suffering right now because there's nothing to kill. Oh her. boy! Wow. Um, what do I, I am, have? I am. Tr- I am trying desperately to keep this podcast. You're, like you're on trying course. to write this I'm, ship. I'm, I'm holding on to it with one hand, and my <laughs> other hand is like giving you all the middle finger right now. Okay. All right. This is the first film in Vis Division. I don't know what that entails. It was white screen. White screen. Oh, well, there you have it. Well, that fancy oh. widescreen. Uh, let me take a look at my show notes. Old blue eyes, white dragon. That was a that's, joke. Yeah, that's that was fun. A, that's a fun Yu-Gi-Oh reference. There we go. Movie. For for all zero people that know about Yu-Gi-Oh and listen to this podcast. The, the only thing I know about Yu-Gi-Oh is people tell me that Yu-Gi-Oh is Hitler's favorite enemy because the blue eyes, white dragon is the strongest. <laughs> all right. Okay. Had either of you, I mean, I, I think Joe had seen this before. John, had you seen this movie before? No, like, literally the only thing I knew about this was the Danny fucking K line from uh, Christmas Vacation. <laughs> okay. Uh, what did you think? How'd you like it? Um, Like I said, it was a two-hour musical, yeah. and I had not bothered to take Adderall beforehand, which Ooh, I probably should have. Yeah, yeah. then you would have loved it, I'm sure. No. Well, then I would have watched it. <laughs> you would have paid attention to it, at least. <laughs> no, I, I did pay attention to it, but I was at the same time dicking around my phone the entire time. It happens. Um, I Like I said, I did like it better than most musicals, just because my brain is broken and I can't suspend belief enough, mm. suspend disbelief enough for musicals. Like, the fact that the musicals at least had, like, some sort of, like... There, there was an attempt to be like, oh, the songs are happening, like, in the, it's, it's not just people breaking out into songs because it's fucking weird, that's what people do. It was people were, like, rehearsing songs or things like that. There, there were a couple of, this reminds me of a song type of thing. Right, but. the only one that I can think of is kind of the dance number between Danny Kay and Vera out on the oh yeah, the song for the purpose of this the, reminds the me of snow, song. yeah, that's yeah. right. And then they throw, like, a blanket, they make, like, a little mountain, like... Yeah, it's so weird. Um, like they throw a na- they throw a napkin in a pile and put some table garnish on it to look like trees. Yeah, and like that. yeah. And I just imagine the waiter is sitting behind them watching, going, "Ah, oh, they're fucking up my table again." Like what the fuck, they better tip well. 
Yeah. I'm not going to tip him. He's black. Have you guys have you guys eaten in a dining car before? I had on a train. I have. No, I Have you ever ridden a train long distance J5? Uh um longest distance I've ridden a single train uh Frankfurt to Berlin. Oh, okay. wow, that's what like a couple hours, right? Uh it was an ice so it was like an hour and a half. Okay. Um Hmm. Most of the time when I took trains in Germany, though, I was cheap and just bought, like, the the uh, unlimited ticket where all you could take was the slow trains, where it's like, right. you don't care all when the you get there. All the locals, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Zoogs, yeah. oh okay. I was, um, I was talking more like an there, Amtrak sort of situation. No, I've Like a dining car and a sleeper car and all that. Outside of, like, the... Um, I'm originally from Kansas, and Topeka, there used to be, I don't know if it still is, there was a thing called Railroad Days, which is just kind of like, um, for, like, children and, like... Train enthusiasts? Train nerds, yeah. I know what you're um, talking about. I think they... I, I, did, I do remember riding a train at that. But it was like but an old steam locomotive, where it was yes. like a two-hour tour. Yeah, I think I remember, yeah. I remember doing something in Ohio when I was really little like that. Yeah, other than that, I don't think I've actually been on a train in the U.S., which is weird because I worked for a decent number of months in a train-related profession. Well, trains here kind of suck balls compared to pretty much every other train service. Yeah anywhere else which is bizarre maybe. because like this this country is perfectly suited for trains except it, we just don't well, do it. well for long not, distance trains at least but even then like no because um part of the problem is that like uh the train track i'm sorry this is actually a serious thing now no um, it's it's <laughs> i'm no, actually go for it, please. hey well welcome to train chat uh, part of the problem is that um, a lot of the the train tracks are basically owned by whatever company is the is the train correct, company in charge and they're there. running freight on it for the most part, yeah, because that's how they make money. Yes, um, and what but what that comes into then is that there are a lot less train tracks out in the west, um, mm-hmm. like literally, like there are, like there are some states where they're serviced by basically one track that the entire fucking state. I'm thinking of like uh, Wyoming and places like that, right? Yeah. Um, so you're gonna run into problems when you're going out west. It's you eventually run out of like the ability to like, get people and put things to places on trains, unless you build more tracks, but who the fuck's going to do that? And, and then, when I'm ta- then to go back to what I was talking about with, um, I'll give an actual example. Um, when I worked for um, the railroad-related company, basically what I did was, because the trains are basically all freight trains and there's no passenger trains anymore, when they have to get railroad crew around, it makes more sense to drive people in a van, usually. Right. And... It also makes more sense to outsource that shit, so that's what they did, and I drove for a while for one of the companies they outsourced that shit to. Aha. One of the routes I had to drive sometimes, I did it once and never wanted to do it again because it was the fucking worst thing I've ever done, was I drove... Um, On the from... train tracks. Yes. So you had to do the, the tra- you had to do the Mario Kart style in the in the one with the train track where you have to drive through the tunnel, and if you, you, can, you have to use a mushroom or a star to get through it so you don't yeah. get hit by the train, but then you're in first place. I have only almost been hit by a train once. Was that in a, that was the time that it happened? No, that was in Germany. Oh, okay. Because the fastest tra- place between two dorms was through the train tunnel. And Oh, wow. By almost, I mean it's like you need to like it was close enough for the train to like blow wind around me, but like Oh, okay. It wasn't that close. Like I wasn't I wasn't like dodging it on the tracks or anything stupid like that. So why was this drive the worst? I'm sorry to have interrupted um, you. Um because we would drive from let me look at a map. It was from Newton, Kansas 
to, I think, Alliance, Nebraska, but I might be wrong about that city. That just sounds bad already as a drive. Any, it's anyway, it was like from eight basically... hours, right? Yes, it was from basically central Kansas to southwestern Nebraska, not up in the panhandle. The middle of fuck. fucking nowhere to the middle of fucking nowhere? Yeah, okay. middle of fucking nowhere to north middle of fucking nowhere, Got, yeah. yeah. And the problem was, basically, it, it, for a lot of times it was just basically, okay, the guys in the, the guys are driving the train up to here, but so go pick them up and drive them back home. And mm-hmm. that's all it was. Right. Oh. This one really fucking sucked, though, because that wasn't that simple. Like, the trains had to, like, a little north of Newton, switch from BNSF to Union Pacific track for, like, a quarter of a mile, and then switch back. Mm-hmm. And and you can't just do that. You can't just go onto the other company's tracks to drive back. You have to get the authorization. You to, yeah, you have to stop at the end of your tracks, tell your dispatcher what you're trying to do, tell the other dispatcher what you want to do, and get permission then do it, switch over to the, the other company's dispatcher, drive that quarter of a mile or, or whatever the, the ridiculously short distance was, right. then do the process in reverse. Yeah. And because of, like, trains are, you know, a couple, like, some tra- trains are, freight trains are usually over a mile long. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't make sense to, or it would be kind of an asshole thing to do to expect, like, the brakeman to walk the entire distance to, like, manually flip the switches, what you had to, which is what you had to do. Mm-hmm. So that was what they I had to follow them in the van for was to like pick up the guy at the first switch, take him back to the second switch, then take him back to the the engine, basically. Oh. This is fascinating. Then I, would, then I would have to drive up to Nebraska, wait like probably sit there and wait five hours for the train to finally get up there because in terms of like uh train priority, local freight is like the bottom of the barrel. Like Amtrak is the most important thing uh, because it's federally run. You say that, but I do know that at least down where you guys live, freight does get right of way uh, over Amtrak. They they pay out the nose to overtake Amtrak. I'm telling you that. Like, oh, okay. Like in most cases, if a if a train company um, holds up Amtrak, hmm. they get fined by the minute. Oh wow! So like the time I, I lived I, in, I guess it was it, expensive because I've been yeah. on a train before that has gotten hold, held up by passing freight. But I guess it the, was the, prior, they, high they priority. Paid, they paid. They paid through the nose to to overtake Amtrak. I, I guess. See, I didn't know this. This is this is all very fascinating yeah, on like, train you, creeps. In, in the town we live in now, and the town I used to live in, you'd see Amtrak. In the town, like you'd see Amtrak go by during the day around here. But like, yeah. you'd see Amtrak go by at like four a.m. If you were a, hor- a person with a horrible job related to the railroad, and you were at the rail tracks at four a.m., mm-hmm. like you would see Amtrak blaze through town at like oh, like seventy miles an hour in the middle of the night. Oh no, it's great. I I work right next to. A train track and that that happens all the time uh it's fun to watch yeah but then beyond that like trains that are doing things like i don't know like you know st louis to oklahoma city like kind of like big big city to big city routes like that they have next priority and then everything else is just whenever we get around to it right right Cool. So, what the fuck did this even come up? What was the topic? We were we, we were, were talking talk- about them going on the trains, and <laughs> we were oh, talking yes, about the choo-choos. dining car, choo choos, the dining car. So, choo creeps. Um, we, we're getting to the point in the podcast where we need to start winding this thing down. So, let me ask one final question, which okay. is, why has this movie endured? Like, why is this like the most popular '50s Christmas movie of all time? God, I don't. I, is- I, I genuinely, legitimately, do not understand. Because it's nice and inoffensive yeah it doesn't say at least at least for like at least for like middle-ish class white people i would say yeah it's it's not challenge there's no challenging material in it whatsoever and and you know the numbers it's like a warm blanket for some people probably yeah i mean that's fair that's fair people getting into like our generation might get a 
pretty like sleazed out by the minstrel like even though yeah. there's not actually a minstrel show so to speak they are very much speaking in like warm terms of remembering minstrel shows yeah right, right. i I honestly do think that this movie obviously will be remembered, but I don't think it's going to be the phenomenon that it is after the boomers leave. I'm trying to yeah, come like, up with a nice term for this. Shuffle off, if yes, you will. shuffle something, off. Something Karen and I discussed was like in hundred years, I nobody mean, will be watching this movie really, like, unless they're historians. Like, not my parents or Karen's parents necessarily, but we could definitely see some people's parents being like, this is like their movie from like, oh, this movie's on, you know, one of the three TV channels that exist at this time. We have to watch it every year, you know? Yeah. Right. yeah. Like, for her family, it's It's a Wonderful Life, and for my family, it's more a Christmas story than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when when this movie every Christmas my mom has to watch this movie when they when they do it when they put the put the big screening on downtown she has to go and see that. It's, oh wow, it's, it's, she's it's much her, more like, of a devoted it's thing. Fo- like if it's yeah, and uh, from this era, if it's not, it's a Wonderful Life. It's White Christmas, and right uh, when you look when you kind of put the two side by side, this is the the much more cuddly, friendly kind of uh, warm and inviting warm. Christmas movie. It's a Wonderful yeah. Life is is actually we've never really dedicated a whole episode to it but it's actually kind of a challenging watch because it does get into some very sort of uh right dark material death morality etc but definitely not in like a Philip Pullman sense <laughs> yeah um uh, just because i'm looking at a map of the us still just to kind of like sum up like the idea about why about taking trains yeah um it's a lot more possible in new england definitely cuz that's where a lot like that's where it's been a thing. Oh no, I'm stupid. I've taken trains all the fuck. Like I, I when I li- went up to visit New York, I took trains all the fucking time. Yeah, and there's dedicated like, there's dedicated lines up there, which is why it's a lot yeah, more like, feasible. We took the we went out to Long Island, took the LIR a couple times, going out that way, and of course like the subway and shit like that. Right, right, right. But like long distance train travel in the U.S., I've never done it. I think Amtrak is pretty much the only game in town. It right? is. And, it is. And, and, and then Caltrain, if you consider that long distance, that's yeah, and it's pretty much an afterthought the only places right now you're going to do it are places where there's a shitload of train tracks which are you know a northern east coast and california pretty much and yeah i'm i'm a I fan for, i would say for california it's because like someone out there has made like a a conscious effort to like do train travel right. out there i'm taking a train in august to charleston like i know of a friend who for his wedding in central kansas mm-hmm. a, a relative took the train from i think milwaukee but like that was they took great pains to do that, and it wasn't any cheaper than air travel, and it was just like... That's the thing. I've looked into Amtrak before, especially from Central Kansas. Yeah. You're you're paying exactly as much for a train ticket, but you're taking, like, three extra days. It 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 depends. Yeah. It, it, it After a certain distance, it becomes kind of a non-starter, because it ends up being almost as expensive as a plane ticket, and ends up taking, like, an extra day. Yeah, and um, the, the worst part of it is, like, at least from, like, let's say you were taking a train from, you know, Central Kansas to New York, you get on the train in Newton at, like, 3 a.m. And you have to transfer go, in Chicago. Yeah, you go up to Chicago and, like, literally wait a day and a half for the next train or yeah, some stupid shit like yeah. that. Yeah, the only reason I'm taking the train is so that I don't, because it's a seven-hour drive or a nine-hour train ride, and I'd rather drink and play video games than sit in a yeah. car for seven and a half hours, and the flight is double the price, so... That's what I'm yeah, doing because the, they don't let you bring the they don't let you bring beer on a plane from 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 Whole Foods, but they will, yeah, and, they, or, and they always get really pissy and angry if you drink and drive at the same time. Yeah, that too. Yeah, what's that about? Uh, but I, I guess it becomes comes down to like how much of a geographic tourist do you want to be? Like, do you want to sit and watch you know Iowa go by for a day and a half? I guess. Yeah, that too. 
This, which you know, personally, I totally would do that. But then I'm, I realize I'm weird. I'm the guy who hosts a Christmas podcast too, so I'm. Yeah, that's weird. that's true. Back to the topic of the Christmas movie at hand. I, the only way that I see this film existing in the next fifty plus years is if there's some sort of weird like trickle down effect where it's like, well, it's what my parents watched and. It's on TV, so it's our new Christmas tradition. Like, that's, yeah, like, that's like about secondhand it. nostalgia. Yeah, pretty much secondhand nostalgia. Or, which is is, is which is I mean, it's it's starting because like it's kind of the only reason that you or I have ever seen it. You know, that's true. But I I'm not gonna I wouldn't go to great lengths to watch this movie. No, and if you're if you're interested in watching this, this is like the maybe the only legitimate Christmas movie that's currently on Netflix. Oh uh, shit! It was also, on Netflix. What the fuck did you do, Brad? I rented it. It's on Netflix. I thought we talked about this. I goofed. I'm sorry. It's on Netflix, everybody. Go watch it on Netflix. It's it's this or Santa Buddies. Crap. I mean, and I just let you know, if you go to Netflix, type in white. I mean, you got your choices. You got white chicks or white Christmas. And, <laughs> I mean... It's, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty binary choice. Uh, um, so let's let's hop into uh, crankometer time, gentlemen. We we forgot to do this last time, so we have yeah. two crankometers to, to administer. Oh, that's right. The the entire like premise, our gimmick of the show, we forgot. Old, to do old business. Whoops. Should we do old business first or new business? Old business first. first. Yeah, let's let's quickly uh, talk about uh, Garfield Christmas. Yeah. Um, X axis on Garfield. How Christmassy was? I'd, I'd give it a solid five. It's Christmassy it, as hell. It's. It unchallenging sure it it's it's like i said in the last episode it's kind of it's more ac- it's a more accurate representation of a lot of people's christmases than most christmas media nothing really happens you might get a warm fuzzy feeling every once in a while you have some anecdotes yeah, to tell was, when the cat fell out of the tree yeah and yeah and the story was about christmas it wasn't a story that happens to take place around christmas or use christmas trappings like the story correct. was the christmas itself C- correct yeah, it yeah. was garfield's christmas on the farm it was I I'd be I'd agree on a five. Yeah. Which so, even compared like like compared to like Merry Freaking Christmas, I don't know why I just said those words, but like oh, man. there is a story going on in that movie beyond like the Christmas. It just uses Christmas as the frame up for like getting the family, like repairing the family. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Say, so the movie's the movie to me is more that movie to me is more about that than it is about Christmas. So yeah, this is this movie is about Christmas as hell. Our Garfield Christmas special is. Right. And okay. we could use the same litmus test that we use. Could this movie exist without Christmas or this this piece of media exist with if it was not happening at Christmas? And no, it it wouldn't have happened. It's I mean, it's all about it would, Christmas. It would be a Garfield trip to the farm, and that's just not as interesting. I mean, or, it, or it would be Garfield, be it would be Garfield Thanksgiving, basically. Yeah, or okay, it would yeah, be like yeah. Garfield sitting at home, and it's another. It's, like it would be an episode of Garfield and Friends if it wasn't Christmas, you know. Garfield visits, visits grandma. Yeah, yeah. I remember an episode of Garfield and Friends where Garfield made his own cartoon, and it was the cat kicked the shit out of the mouse in the first two minutes and spent the next twenty eight minutes sleeping. <laughs> Wait, really? It's pretty, uh, pretty solid. They didn't show that for the the entire duration, but that's what he said. That's what he told everyone his cartoon was. Oh, okay. The, the cat beat up the mouse and then took a nap. Kind of a wacky deli sort of situation. Yeah, that was a great right, episode so, of Rocco too. So, why axis on Garfield? How Quality, good is it? How good was it? Uh, Two, three. I wouldn't go um, higher than a three. I went low. I think it's and fine. Joe put me on blast over text when I went low on Garfield Christmas. I give it a zero. Ooh, I mean, dude. I it's not that good. It's just kind of there. 
Yeah, but I would be willing to give it a one because, like, I didn't... I, I paid attention for the thing, and, like, it was, like I wasn't, like, so distracted by it being overtly bad. Like, oh, I was they, bored. They, I was so bored. They, well, yeah, but, I mean, they correctly did the fucking animation and everything like that. I have, especially for, like, a TV special in the 80s. You have to get some points for doing their fucking jobs correctly, in my opinion. Instead of, like, a dick, sort of, or bick, sort of, whatever that held that... Deek, yeah. Deek. All right. Like, the, the, the I don't cat want... was orange the entire time. Which is supposed to be. <laughs> okay. I didn't want to give it points just for showing up, but I can I can handle a one. <laughs> so you guys are going to, like, split the difference between my two and John's zero and give it a one, right? Is that what no, you're Brad's doing? zero. Yeah, right, right. Oh, all right, right. I yeah, think no, that's, one, yeah. I think that's I, a diplomatic I, answer. As uh, I, I mean, there was some good, like, funny animations there... with, like, Odie and... Some stuff like that. There were like, some half-okay some... goofs, so I'll be able to come up to a one. And and I did like the idea where you couldn't quite tell if John and Doc Boy were literal man-children or they were just using opportunity to fuck their, fuck fuck, their dad. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> or and then, fuck their dad. I don't know. I'm not, no, I'm not no, 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 no. And, and then I, I have some fond, fond memories of Lorenzo Music Garfield, so I'm, I'm amenable to a one. A one is fine. Wow, but, Brad is a, a tough sell. Speaking of which, do you guys know the, like the reason Bill Maria said he did the Garfield movie? No, why? Oh yeah, I heard about this. He said he got the script, saw that the name on it was Ed and, Co- Ed and Cohen, and misread it as Ethan Cohen, and thought it was a Cohen Brothers film. Oh, that's wonderful. So he just agreed to do it sight unseen because he thought it was Ethan Cohen. Or uh, Ethan uh, Cohen was doing. All it. right, let me make my a note really quick. Legally change name to Ethan Co Co Cohen with an E. But make it a really weird font and start sending out scripts to celebrities. Okay, done. Got Which, it. It's it's weird because Bill Murray, from what I know, is the guy who doesn't have an agent. He just has like an eight hundred number that he listens to every once in a while yep. messages on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I seem to recall one of my friends calling I think it was Bill Murray. They went through a phase where they like tried finding phone numbers for celebrities and calling them. Not a cool thing to do, but they did it. I, I do remember one specific story that, uh, if this is per- person I'm thinking of, uh, you know who it is. <laughs> I, I know who it is, and I do. I do. I don't want to name any names because I don't want to get in trouble. Is it? But is it the same? Is it the same friend who went to um, Neil deGrasse Tyson's star lectures and took a photo with him, and then took back another photo of the photo of them, and then held it in the photo, and then took another one. So it was no, like an inception. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. This one of your about, friends though. that I know that we're talking about. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, probably. Okay. All right. No, this I'm is the one who who at one time was working at Lowe's Foods and got the phone number of a of, of yes. an American Idol contestant and yep. called him at home. Okay. Yes, I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> was yeah. it the one who's from around where we live? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, um, anyway, this was this was this was a bad digression. Anyway, this let's talk about White Christmas. Uh, crankometer score, guys. How Christmassy is White Christmas? I don't Pretty... particularly think it's very Christmassy until very the very end of the film. It's two or three. I mean, yeah, it uses Christmas as the as the like the setting more. Like the plot is about the plot is about getting some like sweet Andrew sister Andrew sister like stand in tail and making the general happy. Right, and this. Could it using the same test as before? This could have happened over another holiday. This could have happened over the Fourth of July. Obviously, yeah, you, it wouldn't be can, called White Christmas, but I was like, you can oh, transplant like most of this movie into a different 
yeah. uh, setting or and strip out the holidays completely. And it's mostly still intact. Yeah, it's like, oh, there was a fireworks shortage. Nobody's coming to my inn. Or no, or they go to Florida for vacation and it's raining the entire time. Yeah, it's yeah. It's ruined. It's ruined our Memorial Day weekend. Right. Yeah. I. Uh, it's the generally Waverly's Cabana. Oh no, there's there's an avocado shortage. Nobody's coming. <laughs> We have to get all the boys I'm in New Mexico to ship as many dreaming. avocados as we can right now. <laughs> it's 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 a Cinco de Mayo miracle. <laughs> oh, Ugh. was that bad? I Maybe a little. Not bit. not Cinco, as bad as Cinco never de mind. Mayo as a, as a, like an American holiday didn't really show up until the eighties because of, because alcohol companies realized, hey, oh no, what? absolutely, it's we a, can we can market this shit to everybody. Yeah, somebody who's a recent transplant here asked me the other day at work about Cinco de Mayo, and I was like, nope, pretty much just only in it's, hyped up by beverage companies to move product. Yeah, like Cinco de Mayo is ninety nine cent margarita night. That's that's what it is. Yeah, or selling you shitty cervezas by the twenty four pack. Get your Man. Fast and Furious brand Coronas today. Are you fucking kidding me? Yes, I am. Oh, darn it. Drew, Drew Carey, I contact mean, me next year. I, I have an idea for you. I Three words. Plinko de Mayo. I wouldn't have been... Thank you. That's brilliant. I wouldn't have been surprised if there was Fast and Furious, but although a car movie brand co-branding with alcohol is probably not the greatest idea no that's not a good idea it's not a good idea but like like dom toretto's favorite drink is corona it's corona or nothing for him i see so like it wouldn't be completely uh completely out of out of place but you're so, right that's not a good idea yeah so a two on the christmas quotient uh, Was it? i'm wanting to push it to three just because like i mean the name of the movie is white christmas yeah and, and there are some white christmas, christmas numbers okay i'll i, I, I can agree a, i would go three I can agree with a three. Now, and now, quality-wise, on the y-axis, eh, it's a little di- more difficult. It's definitely not a negative number. I'll say no. that. No, 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 no. I'd say I'd give it. I'd give it at least a two just for for Danny K because he's he's loving it. <laughs> give it a two for at least showing up. Yeah. This this no he's he's not showing up. This boy is full in. He's all in. I'm a yeah, fan. I mean. As a note of, like, it standing the test of time, I mean, it's not like it's gotten worse with time, but it's like... Yeah. You know, I I, I, I could be playing World of Warcraft right now. Yeah, you know? pretty much. Could be doing anything else. Would be doing anything else. Not gonna seek out this movie during Christmas or any other time, really. Yeah, I mean, not just, I mean I'm not a big musical fan to begin with, but... To the, to the other point, this is a fucking two-hour musical. It's very long. <laughs> yeah, uh, John's made his case for that uh, several times tonight. Yes, um, this is a two-hour musical, and most of the in- most of the interesting turns in the musical don't come until the last like half hour. Yeah, yeah, they really they really wrap it up quickly. So a friend of mine who lives in New York City um, is a big Weird Al fan, and he went to a Weird Al book signing, I think, in, like, 2012, and got his picture taken with him. Yeah. And then in, I think, 2016, he also met him after a concert and got his picture taken again. Not even fucking joking, Weird Al is wearing the exact same shirt in both pictures. (laughs) (laughs) I like that Al. I like Al. I've heard it told before that, like, on Weird Al's, like, concert writer, one of the stipulations is that he gets a new Hawaiian shirt for every concert. Oh, that's fun. So he must, I'm sure he has a giant collection, but it's nice to know that he at least has his favorites. Are you guys, are you guys more into, uh, glasses Weird Al or post-glasses Weird Al? Like, which look do you like better? I like the newer Weird Al's look. Really? Yeah. Okay. 
Because he, he still looks like a giant nerd. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not, like, playing it up, like, I guess. Yeah. I guess I can see that. I was always a... I always... I didn't care for when he ditched his glasses, but... Well, like... He, he, I still he, like he still, him. He's, he still looks like a huge nerd, but he do, he no longer has that feeling of, like, okay, Weird Al, like, come on, let's be serious. Even I have to go stuff you into a locker. Right, right, where he's, like, trying to play, like, I'm, I'm Urkel, but I'm a white musician kind of situation, where he's like, let's play the accordion. I don't know. Yeah, when he was, like, really playing up, the, like, the accordion, glasses, goofy mustache, and terrible hair look, yeah. Oh, I was thinking the other day, we really need an excuse to watch UHF on this podcast. Um, that's Wonderf- gonna be tough. Wonderful movie. Uh, there's gotta be something related to Christmas. They probably say the word Christmas in there somewhere, right? Um, it's, my it's probably, month it's probably I'm almost sure. as close as Wild Card was. Well, I mean, my birthday's coming up in a month, and I... I have, no, I have seen no reason not to continue my arbitrary birthday dictatorship of watching whatever fucking movie I feel like. <laughs> because originally my plan is we're watching Die Hard with a Vengeance, and that has... Nothing to do with Chris. Well, tangent... The one, yeah. The one thing is that it <laughs> has Die Hard in the title. Right, right. Well, let me put in a, let me put in a good word for UHF. Because I've been meaning to watch that movie again lately <laughs> anyways we got right. we're really going off the rails well, yeah so i think on white Quality christmas quotient? We, what three two three three what uh uh three two three two three three j5 yeah. you're gonna have to be the tiebreaker I'll... here what? um i'll go with three two because i will take away points for the fact that there was a number in the movie nostalgic about minstrel shows yeah I guess that's good enough. That's a good that's, enough reason that's for me. Fair. So three, two, and what do we give Garfield's Christmas? Five, two. So for those of you playing along, no, at no, home, no, no. Garfield was a five-one. Oh, I will, right, right. I will sorry. not let Garfield's Christmas get to a two. Whoops. <laughs> this is a weird hill for me to die on, but so damn for those it. of you playing along at home, White Christmas is more Christmassy than our Garfield Christmas, but not as good. Yeah, that I know. That's totally. That scans. Wait, I got I got that backwards. I'm sorry. Garfield Christmas is more Christmassy than White Christmas, but of lower, slightly lower quality. But not that's as correct. Good, yes, that is that correct. Is, that is correct. Uh, so I think that's going to do it for us on this episode of Christmas Creeps. We've gone to several different places during this conversation, be it from uh, Weird Al to discussions of, of uh, America's train economy <laughs> to everything in between. So if you have any questions or comments, uh, you know where to find us. We're at. Uh, at Christmas Creeps on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Christmas Creeps. Uh, email us at xmascreeps at gmail.com. Uh, go to iTunes and like and subscribe and do all that fun stuff because uh, you want to see some great shit. Look on um, YouTube for the video of Weird Al's first TV performance on Tom Snyder's show where he and Bermuda Schwartz did another one rides the bus <laughs> where their only instruments were. Uh, Bermuda Schwartz banging on the accordion case and honking like a bike horn and weird out with the accordion. I need to see this. Please put it in the show notes. Okay, I'll do that. Um, and so uh, we're, we're also calling our shot this week for our next episode because Alien. Alien Covenant is coming into theaters and we're going to make a case for Prometheus being a Christmas film. So come back for that. Yeah! In, uh, two weeks. So we'll see you then and until then, until that time uh... We're wishing you the whitest of Christmases. Is that PC to say now? In very specific terms, we are talking about snow, not people. 
not snow, not people or drugs or anything like that. Yes, um, correct. This whole movie is a metaphor for cocaine. There. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Uh, speaking of tower oh. or snow, guys, let me capture that tower in Alderac Valley so I can stop doing this fucking achievement. <laughs> That's a wow thing, right? Yes. I'm Bradford. I'm Joe. I got a rock. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas.